everybody, and welcome back to our audio devotionals today, day two. I had a lot of fun yesterday. I hope you did as well, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the Lord says to us as we read again today. So let's uh, pray together. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to uh, read and to try to understand your word. Uh, we know that you're always with us, uh, but we become more aware of it as we give you our attention and seek to know you more. Please uh, guard us from distractions during this time and, and change our thinking to align with yours. We're open in this moment to whatever it is that you have uh, for us and whatever you have for us today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we continue reading through Genesis, picking up on where we left off yesterday in Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 25. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gion. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man named each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God called, caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Like so many passages in the Bible, these few words give us a lot of content. 
When you step back and consider all that we've just read, though, what is it that stands out to you? What most grabs your attention? For me, it's relationships, namely the relationships between God, people, and the rest of creation. God is the creator, so he, of course, exists above both people and creation. This passage makes clear, though, that God's design for the world was for people to exist above the rest of creation. Now, there's no denying that people have things in common with the natural world. We're mammals that require food and shelter and community to survive and to thrive. We, we can't just tell our hearts or our lungs to stop or shut off uh, or, or to tell our brains to take a break uh, as if we could flick them uh, off or on like a switch on the wall. There, there are natural things within us that make us similar to other living things on earth. For me, though, one of the main ideas from this passage is that God gave humans authority over the earth, not, not authority in a demeaning sense, but as a privilege with the responsibility to care for it, to cultivate it, and to create with it. We see this in God bringing every animal to Adam and letting him name them whatever he wanted. Even though God was above people, they were to be his co-workers in the world. They were to share a special relationship uh, with him and to partner with him in meaningful and productive work. Uh, now, there's one more relationship shown to us in this passage that I think is incredibly important. And it's the relationship that exists between people. I find it amazing, even a little mysterious, that the text quotes God saying, it's not good for man to be alone. I mean, think about that for a second. Adam was in Eden, which essentially represented heaven on earth. God was with him. He was awed daily by the wonders of creation. There was no sin or death in the world. He had purposeful work and he had been given authority to use what the earth produced to build and to create whatever he wanted. And yet in the midst of all that, God said that he was alone. Now, he certainly was not alone in the sense of being without company. I don't believe that Adam was afraid or depressed because he was single. And in fact, I've got a number of good friends who have been graced with the gift of singleness and are perfectly content and productive and happy people, even though they're not married. The Lord Jesus, in fact, who, who the scriptures described as the visible expression of the invisible God, was never married. And the father didn't step in at some point and change the situation. No, I believe that Adam simply needed someone like him. He needed someone to relate to, someone who saw the world uh, from the same perspective as him, someone who could share his work and who could encourage him when he felt like giving up. He, he needed someone to laugh with and to have fun with because the plants and the animals just didn't seem to appreciate his jokes. When God introduces him to Eve, he responded, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I just imagine him looking at her in awe in a way that he hadn't looked at anything that God had shown him yet. 
and he, he said to himself, you're like me. This is incredible. God intended the relationship between people to be one of great equality. While God reached down to the ground to create man, he created woman out of his side. And it was next to one another in partnership that they stood before God and over his creation. Now, some in our culture act as though women came from man's foot and attempt to walk all over them or from man's back and excuse them taking second place in society. But that is not of God. No, he created them both to stand together, different and equal, and carry out the work that he had given them to do. In our world, God's design for human equality is not limited to male and female, though all people, young and old, rich and poor, black and white, Democrat and Republican, straight, gay, and those who are questioning, everybody, all people are side by side in his eyes. If you are a follower of Jesus, then this is how we must see people. I just don't see God giving us any other option. Let's spend a moment right now to consider how all of this applies to us. Think about these questions with me. Is there someone in my life who I treat as less than myself through my words, thoughts, or actions? And where is God giving me an opportunity to promote human equality in my life? Is it in my family, in my place of business, in my neighborhood, uh, in my school, somewhere else? I encourage you to think about your answers to those questions today and invite God to lead you as you do. Let me pray for you. Lord God, we're both encouraged and challenged by your word to us today. We thank you for both because we know that you use each one of them to help us grow. We ask your forgiveness for uh, our judgment and degradation of others, uh, even when we only do it internally. And for those of us who profess to be Christians, uh, we ask that you would forgive us for our hypocrisy. We thank you, though, that because of Jesus, uh, because of his broken body and his shed blood, that you hear our prayers and that you answer us with forgiveness that can only be found in him. We ask for faith and boldness to take hold of the opportunities you give us to promote equality. And we pray for the humility to do it for your glory rather than our own. Amen.